Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. And the acceleration of depreciation can be so powerful, meaning that even on a single family home uh, with a $100,000 building basis, I can save the, uh, the owner of that property probably $10,000 in income taxes. So it, it's, it's even for the small investor. Now, the big investors, I have investors that, that, that invest in $500 million buildings. And I, of course, I save them $100 million in income taxes, but it's for everybody. Nowadays, the industry has settled to the point where everybody out there should be able to accelerate their, their um, depreciation. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to another episode of Ritter on Real Estate, where I teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, my guest is Joseph Fiery, and Joseph is the principal at U.S. Tax Advisors Group. It's a cost segregation firm that has helped property owners defer or eliminate millions of dollars in income taxes. And Joseph is going to talk to us today a little bit about exactly that. What, what is a cost segregation? Why should you be doing a cost segregation? And how can that help, uh, help increase the value uh, of your investments or increase the return on your investments? So, Joseph, thanks for coming on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you, Kent. I'm, I'm very happy to talk about what I do, cost segregation. Um, as far as, is my background, I have a kind of a, a different, uh, different background, meaning that I started as an entrepreneur when I got, um, out of college and I owned my own business. It was a travel business. I, I graduated, uh, with business management. And then, um, in 2000, I sold my travel business and I went into financial planning and I did that with the California association of realtors for seven years. And then 2007, something happened. In 2007, the real estate industry in, in uh, California went off the cliff, and basically uh, that part of my life was pretty much over, not by, by design, but I had a, a, a person who kept asking me to, 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 uh, to get involved in something called cost segregation. I kept blowing them off, and a year later, I said, okay, sit down, let's have lunch, tell me what this is. He told me what it was, and I immediately brought him three or four clients, saved them, tens of thousands of dollars in income taxes. And then when uh, the depression hit in 2007, 
2008, the owner of that company um, said, how about working for me? You did a great job with those three clients. So then I started uh, since 2007 or eight, eight-ish in the cost segregation um, industry. Gotcha. Well, very good. So you, you've been doing it for quite a while. You've seen definitely some ups and downs and yeah. a lot of experience in the space. So let, let's start off at the beginning. I mean, what tell folks what a cost segregation is. You know, it, it's, a, it's a good topic because for, for the investor and I don't look, I am not an accountant and I work with accountants and I love accountants. And um, it, but we're an engineering based company. We provide a study that goes to their accountants. But bottom line is, even today, when I first started in 2007 and eight, people, the first thing out of people's mouths were, this has got to be a scam. This can't be real. How can you save me from writing a check to the IRS? I had to do the education. Nowadays, everybody realizes it's not a scam. It is proven uh, IRS uh, the way they want you to, to depreciate a building. And so bottom line, though, is accountants, because they're not engineers, they don't really understand what I do. And they, and a lot of times they don't bring it up to their clients, whether they're passive investors or active investors. So it's good. The investor understands because real estate has so many great benefits when it comes to taxation issues. I'm not going to go down the litany, but one of them is cost segregation. One of them is the ability to accelerate your depreciation. Depreciation is an expense if you have income and you have an expense, you have to deduct the expense from your income. So obviously your, your income reduces, therefore your taxation reduces. And the acceleration of depreciation can be so powerful, meaning that even on a single family home uh, with a $100,000 building basis, I can save the, uh, the owner of that property probably $10,000 in income taxes. So it, it's, it's even for the small investor. Now, the big investors, I have investors that, that, that invest in $500 million buildings. And I, of course, I save them $100 million in income taxes, but it's for everybody. Nowadays, the industry has settled to the point where everybody out there should be able to accelerate their, their um, depreciation. Gotcha. So uh, obviously a huge benefit in, in accelerating depreciation, offsetting taxes. So I think everybody's ears should be perking up as a way to create, create value, or, or if you're investing with others, uh, something that you're going to want to, you're going to look, look for and make sure that that depreciation is being returned back to you. But uh, tell us in a little more detail, like how does the cost segregation actually work? Okay. Um, you know, and this, I think I'm going to start by explaining I get a question quite often because of my experience in the industry is like, well, how do I tell a good company from a bad company? What, what, how do you, what do you, okay, here's the question. Here's what you do. You ask them, okay, what do you base your studies on? There is only one answer. And the answer is the IRS in 2004 published a guideline called the Audit Technique Guidelines for Cost Segregation. That is my mantra. That is what we base our studies on because the IRS gave you a, a blueprint to everybody out there saying that if you want a quality study, you have to do this, 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 and this. And it's a 200 page document. So bottom line is um, that's what we are all about. We are, are about following the audit technique guidelines. And the number one type of study is a detailed engineering study. And that is performed by an engineer uh, who does the calculations and the work. 
and it requires that we go out and we inspect the property. You know, the IRS wants somebody out there with eyes on it, not making stuff up and inspecting the property, measuring the property as uh, all the components, both the, um, the, the accelerated components and the real components. And, and bottom line is um, that's what we do. Also listed in the, the, the acceptable um, techniques is one down the list called uh, modeling or sampling. And we do a modeling technique for those who have buildings uh, with basis of 500,000 or less. So if you own a single family home, probably not in Miami Beach, but you know somewhere else like in Alabama, Texas, or, or maybe even um, uh, Indianapolis, um, bottom line is uh, you can now do the accelerated um, technique. We use an analog um, uh, study, which is you know done by Excel worksheet, done by our engineers. So it's still engineering based, but we don't go, we don't need to go to the property. We do that all in house, so that's affordable for everybody. Gotcha. So that's interesting. I think it's the first I've heard of of a cheaper option uh, on a cost side. And so does that work for? Does that work for the house you're living in or does it only work for investment properties? Good question, Kit. No, that, no your, your primary residence is not a depreciable asset. You can't take depreciation on the primary. Any other type of real estate, and I don't care what type it is, it can be a ranch in Montana. It can be, uh, you, you know, it, it can be any, any type of property. And I've probably done every type of property out there. Uh, and so we can do modeling on any type of property. But one thing that to be careful of is, is we, we, meaning my engineers set the, the limit at 500,000. We feel that if we go over 500,000 in building basis, our statistical analysis will break down and we won't be able to defend our work. And everything about US tax advisors group is defending our work. IRS has a question, you call me, we get on the phone with the IRS, we explain how we did the study, what we did. And I hate to say this, but because everybody out, out there says it, but since 2007, uh, I have never had any of my work audited. And I'm talking thousands and thousands and thousands of buildings. I have no idea how many, but I've never had a, a, an audit. I've had questions and the questions were not the result of my work, but the result of something the taxpayer did. So they were asking me questions like to try and figure out, okay, who's this cost segregation guy? Because this guy totally messed up his tax return. Maybe they messed up the cost said. They, they sit down with my engineer and the questions are answered. And, and that's the end of that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So explain to folks in more detail. Like, so when I sign up to do a cost seg, right. On one of my properties, what, what actually happens? Okay. What should happen is first, uh, and this is a good overview. If you're, if you're interviewing companies, you want to gather all the information you can ahead of time. I need to get appraisals I need to get purchase contracts. Um, I need to, to, to get, if I can get them, which is not common, but I love blueprints, plans, um, any documents that, that have to do with the building basis. Uh, one thing I should mention too is, is just a segue real quick, is that we're not land appraisers, so we don't value land. So that, that's got to come from, from the client. Land is not a depreciable asset either. I mentioned primary residences. No, and neither is land. So we've got to peel off land. So if you buy a single family home for 120 grand and 20,000 is allocated to land, I work with the 100,000. So bottom line is after we collect the data, uh, and this is now on the full detailed engineering study, then we have to go to the site and we have to spend hours measuring all of the components of the building. 
So let's talk about a multifamily building. So we go in and we have to measure the countertops. We have to measure the cabinets. We have to measure the flooring. We have to measure the window coverings. We have to measure all of the um, appliances. Um, well, not measure, but count the appliances. We have to you know, find out what's on the walls. Is it, is it ceramic? Is, is there wallpaper? What kind of HVAC unit? What kind of security system? What kind of a, alarm systems, fire, fire alarms? And basically, um, once we gather all that information and we take photos to prove to the IRS, hey, Joe was out at this property and he measured everything, Mr. IRS agent, that ends most pushback from the IRS. They know somebody did that part of it. I know a lot of competitors do what I call drive-by and they get somebody with a camera and they drive by and take pictures. Big mistake. If you get audited, forget about it, man. You're not going to defend your work because the IRS wants somebody with their eyes and they're measuring it. So after we measure everything, we take it back to the engineer and the engineer does a takeoff. And one thing that's really important to understand, the buildings have two types of property. Uh, they've got um, your real property, which is was called real property, which is in a multifamily unit, it's 27 and a half years for commercials, 39 years. And then we've got the accelerated portion. The acceleration is in shorter lives, five year, seven year and 15 year, 15 years of land improvements, five and seven is the interior of the building. So bottom line is um, what the engineer does is, is he takes and he um, calculates the cost of the construction of the building to what's called replacement cost new. And that means the basis of the building. So if you see on your report something way out of line for like $40,000 and you go, but I can buy that at Home Depot for X. That's not how the engineer calculates what the value is. The value is tied in to that two by four as it relates to the building basis. And that's the trick. And that's why accountants can't do it. And that's why most building owners can't do it because to understand how to, to, to pull apart the building, reverse engineer it is, is, takes expertise. Gotcha. And so, so take us to it. So the study gets done. What, is, what do we get at the end and why is that valuable? Okay, you get from us three different schedules and it breaks out all of this data. And um, it, it, it lets the uh, accountant know which parts of the building basis is going to be accelerated in five, seven, and 15 years, and what part is going to stay in real property. So just think about it this way. Most of the building is real property. Obviously, walls, foundation, roofs, HVAC units, that's all going to be real property. That's going to be 27 and a half or 39-year property. The only part we're dealing with in the 20 to, I'll go way high, 40% of the building basis is what can be accelerated. And so bottom line is we give the accountant this report in Excel so they can download it into their software and it tells the, um, the accountant what the, they can accelerate. If it's a current year acquisition, meaning if somebody bought it in, in last year and they're filing 21 taxes, then they just take my report and file it with their accountant. If it's a look back study, and this is very important, you can go back, we can go back about, I don't know exactly until I look at the property, we can go back, back about 15 years. And if you go back um, before 21, that's called the look back study. And so with look back studies, what we have to do is we have to do a calculation where we say, okay, this is how much depreciation you took because you, you were taking depreciation straight line for five years. This is what we find in acceleration and this is the amount you're gonna be able to take on, on, on your next um, uh, tax um, 
uh, filing, and that's going to be for the 21 tax year. And so um, we give that to the, the, um, uh, the accountant also. He has to file a form uh, 3115, which is a change of accounting method form, which is pretty obvious. You went, you started with straight line, now you're switching gears and the IRS allows you to do this. In fact, it's really interesting. There's only one use of the change of accounting method form that's, that's already grandfathered in by the IRS and that's for cost segregation. So they cannot question uh, you going back and re recalculating your depreciation. Gotcha. So even if you've owned the property for, let's say, five years, in your example, you can go back and you can you can essentially accelerate the depreciation back as if you had done it in year one. Yes. And it is still going to be big. Five years is not an issue. Where it gets to be an issue is 15 years down the road. That's where I have to do the calculations and say, look, and, and well, here's what we do. We give everybody a no cost analysis. And what I tell them, as I say, look, this is how much it's going to cost you. This is what you're going to, what you're going to save. Does that make sense to you? Do you want to do it? If they say, no, I'm not going to spend, uh, I'll make up a number. I'm not going to spend $2,000 to save 5,000. That's not, a, that's not worth it for me. I don't, I don't argue that that's their decision, but basically we give them all that information up front and then it's up to them to decide if they want to move forward. But 15 years is about the farthest I feel that I could go back. I've gone back as far as 18, but 18 years when I went back was for a uh, $40 million building. And so the numbers worked, but smaller buildings going back 18 years probably won't work. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. So you end up with, with a fully engineered study, which sounds like what that is, is somebody has gone out, they measured the property, they know all the components, right? They've, they've documented everything. Um, but, and so, and so I understand, like you, you've mentioned a couple of times, like the, the engineering piece seems extremely important in this whole, in, in this whole analysis. But on the other hand, I know that a lot of accounting firms offer a cost seg analysis. So, so what's the difference in, in like what you guys are doing and, and in what they're doing? Uh, you know, it, it, it's like anything in business. Um, when somebody sees uh, they can make money doing something, they say, well, why can't I do it? Why am I going to pay an engineer to do it? I can do it myself. So they go out and they hire, not an engineer, they may hire an appraisal background, they may have a construction background, and then um, they can put all the pieces together and, and present a report. But obviously what you risk is if the IRS has a question and an appraiser answers the question or a construction guy answers the question, uh, the IRS is going to know that right away, and it's probably not going to fly. It's not going not going to um, not going to be a legitimate study. Um, I don't police or care about what my competitors do, but I've seen it all, and that's one common common technique. You get an engine, you get an accounting firm who basically really doesn't know, uh, and they don't hire engineers because engineers are not inexpensive. A PE, a professional engineer, you know, at Google it and find out what what their annual salary is. And so all we use is real, real engineers. And so bottom line is um, uh, there are pretenders out there. There's, there's people out there that, that tell you that they do this and this and this, and they don't. And all I can do is, is say, bet them. You know, do, do your homework on the, on the company. There's a lot of good ones out there. A lot sure, of my so, are great. Sure. So, so the difference in having an engineer, a fully engineered study, is, is you're not just getting... Because a, a typical depreciation analysis, you're going to get okay. This percentage is 
is the land, this percentage is the building, and then this percentage is improvements, right? right. And, the, and the breakdown in the cost seg, the level of detail below that is actually saying, okay, well, 15% is improvements, but here's the list of, of what those are. Is that really the, that's the level of detail that really makes the difference? Yeah, I mean, I can pull up right now and show you one of our reports, which you can't see. This is a 16-page um, report, and this 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 here has all of the. You can see that maybe it has all of the breakdowns on this building, if you can see sure. it, of all of the components that we, we looked at. And there's 16 pages of this. Mm -hmm. We're breaking down everything from doorknobs to yeah. you know. I mean, we we and and I've seen some of my competitors' reports that are one page. Yeah. So it sounds like audit defensibility because of the, the level of detail is, is really, yes. is really the differentiator. Is that correct? Is that, is that accurate? Okay. Perfect. That's accurate. Yeah. Now one, yeah. one sidebar, I, I do have to, to this, this is getting to be important. I have a lot of questions on this is that with the, uh, the, the Trump tax bill a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. um, basically they came up with, with a concept called bonus depreciation. And what they said, how the rule reads is any life of the building, which is 20%, uh, 20 years or less qualifies for bonus. Okay, so what does that mean to the average person? Not much because uh, they don't know what parts of their building are 20 years or less, but who does? I do, because that's what we break out. We break out the 15 year, the five and the seven year. So bottom line is those, that value that we find in acceleration now um, the IRS gives that write-off. So I remember the, the, the example I gave with a $100,000 single family home, I can peel off and find between 25 and, and $30,000. They get that deduction all immediately as 100% bonus in the tax year that they file. After this year, it starts to phase out. Next year, it's not 100%, it's 75%. The following year goes down to 50%. The following year goes down to 25%. Is it critical? No, but it's really nice to get that 100% bonus up front. Sure. So this is the last year, we're 2022 now, yep. where you can, no matter when you've owned the building, I mean, you said it's harder the longer you've owned it, but you can yep. still go back and you can still get 100% of that 15 year and lower, uh, those depreciable items right. taken in, in 2022 taxes. Yeah, it's massive. I mean, I'm just talking about, and then look at it this way, um, passive versus active. There are passive rules. And, and somebody asked me, like, well, who would not do cost segregation? Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's pretty simple because the universe is small. People who don't pay income taxes do not need to do cost segregation. <laughs> now, you might laugh, and, and a lot of people do, but I mean, I don't get involved. There are a lot of people out there who don't. If you don't pay income taxes, you don't need Joe. So, and there's a lot of legitimate reasons why, but if you do pay income taxes, then I give you the type of depreciation as you are a real estate investor. So if you're passive, I give you passive losses. If you're active, I give you active losses. And I'm telling you that in my experience, a lot of passive investors still want my losses. There are different rules. You have to talk to your accountant. Like, for example, on each building, you can only take a max $25,000. Well, that's still a lot. <laughs> so you take $25,000 and your losses follow you forward. So take mm -hmm. 25 this year. If I found you 50,000, take 25 this year, 25 the next year. Sure. So passive investments is not a major issue, but it can be. And I tell the client, talk to your accountant. And if I say, I'm going to give you $25,000 in passive losses, 
have your accountant say, yes, sir, you can use those, or no, sir, you, you cannot use passive losses. And I will agree. Right, right. And, and so even if you're an investor who's investing with, with somebody else, right, and, and you're investing with somebody who's running a deal and they do a cost segregation, I mean, it doesn't always happen, but typically that, that depreciation flows down to those investors and those de- investors, as an investor, you save, um, well, you, you receive the expense, which offsets your income, uh, just like, just like everybody else, just like the person that that's running the property. And so that, that's really where a lot of the value comes in. Yeah, correct. Being you able get the nail offset the, offset the income from your investment, especially during, during the hold period of the investment. And where when when apply, and, and this is again obvious, is if you have like an insurance company who's investing money that's non and they're non-taxable, and there's a lot out there, you know, they don't need to do cost seg because they're mm-hmm. they're a non-taxable entity, they've got other tax breaks of the way they structured it. But most of those who are passive investors that invest with somebody else, they will feel the effects of cost segregation. So I would at least ask the 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 principals partners mm-hmm. to say are you doing cost seg? If not, why not? Right. And if they have an answer, that's, that's good. But a lot of times they just don't think to do it. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a fantastic question. Uh, and, and this is, it's a tool in the toolkit, right? And I think it's a toolkit of a sophisticated investor to, to make sure you're taking advantage of, of all the ways to create value uh, through your real estate, whether you're uh, investing on your own or you're investing with, with other people's money. Yep. So I want to understand, uh, and I want folks to understand, you know, see upfront, you do a cost seg, you get all this depreciation, it offsets a lot of your income, you're, you're not paying taxes, you know, you feel great. Then you go and you, and you sell the property or the person investing with sells the property. What happens at that point? <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because we're, we're going down that road, huh? Okay, we're going to go down that road. But as you can tell, I talk fast. So I, I think I can cover it very, very simple. If you sell a building for cash, there is a component of the depreciation, which is called depreciation recapture. Think of it as a a tax on all the depreciation you've taken over the years. However, there is a a novelty with cost segregation that most accountants and very few investors realize if you do this correctly. And and now that I've broken out the building and I've identified the five-year property and the 15-year property, when you sell the building for cash, if you do, now, if you sell the building in the exchange, you don't have to worry about depreciation recapture. That just goes down the road. So you don't have to worry. It's only when you sell for cash. But what happens is now that you know the five-year property, and let's make the math simple, and you bought a building five years ago, and now you sold the building. What we would tell the accountant is to tell the IRS, okay, we know what the five-year value is. It's not worth that anymore. My client used it up. Now there's a, some residual value. If you have a laptop and you pay 2000 for it, maybe five years down the road, you could get 50 bucks or a hundred bucks. So, you know, you, you want to maybe claim something really, really low. So basically all the money in the five-year bucket is gone away from depreciation recapture. So you just save money. The 15 year, you'd make the same claim, but it's not 15 years. You only used a third of that. So you take a third off the table. So what does um, cost segregation do for the client? It saves them on depreciation recapture. So it's not a bad thing. Now, here's one thing I will tell you. If my clients or prospective clients say that they are gonna, they're a flipper or they're gonna sell the building within two years, I would say, I know the math, don't do it. Don't, don't pay me to do it because it's not worth doing 
for um, for a two, for a flipper because of depreciation recapture. You need more time to 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 do the the, the structure that I said the, the technique and and, mm -hmm. and to show that to the mm -hmm. IRS. But if you're only going to sell it, uh, if you're going to sell it within two years, I would say don't bother. Gotcha. And so. So that that's I think a really interesting nuance. So if you if you have the detail and you can you can easily show what 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 is on a five year depreciation schedule and those five years have passed, then what you're saying is those those things that the value of them has gone down to zero. So therefore yeah. there's there's no value in those from uh, what's the right term just from from an IRS perspective. So you're yeah. not you're not recapturing the depreciation on those pieces because they, they've lost all their value. And very few accountants know this. They, they, I'm, I'm sharing with your audience something that very few accountants think about, realize, understand. They don't really get. And um, again, now, how would you set the, the remaining basis? Like I said, you know, mm -hmm. on a laptop, $50 or $100. Well, that's a different question. I'm not involved in that question. But, but I think it's pretty easy to find somebody uh, that can probably give you the remaining basis of, of used up um, assets. Or you can come up with something legitimate. So I said 50 to 100. Well, maybe you tell the IRS 200 just to make mm -hmm. it you know, a little bit better, but, but not $5,000. Say, look, my five-year property is worth 200 bucks now because it's, it's the end of five years and I've used it up. Gotcha. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that, that's a really unique nuance. That's important for people to understand. It is. Now, is it also true that if you've got, say, you know, you've got on that depreciation schedule, I don't know, you've got carpet. Let's say, and what is the carpet depreciate on a five-year schedule? Five year, five year. So let's say you, uh, you know, you replace that carpet in three years. On that schedule, that carpet still has two years of life left, right? And is that true that you can, you can? Uh, what do you, what do you do essentially? Write off the rest. Of, how how does that work? I know there's a okay. component there. <laughs> Kent, you're good. Okay, listeners, listen to this guy. Follow him. Uh, okay, so bottom line is. What happened in 2014 is the IRS came out with all of these rules regarding um, expensing because they were tired of, uh, of, of, of uh, property owners uh, misusing the expense. So they would you know, do something to their building and they would they write it off. All right, I said, no, 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 no. So they came up with rules. Part of the rule is remember when I said everything's related to the building basis, that two by four is built in to the $100,000 you paid for that building. Mm -hmm. So bottom line is um, I, the bottom line is the, um, I lost it. Oh, okay. Sorry. sorry. The bottom line is, is so that's, so, so now you, you, you take out the carpet and you put new carpet in. It, well, guess what? Now you have two carpets. Well, let, mm -hmm. Let's not use carpet. Let's use, use a roof. Let's say you replace the roof. You've got two roofs. You have the original roof that was embedded in the hundred thousand dollars. And you have the new roof that you just you just spend ten thousand for. The IRS doesn't want two roofs on your depreciation schedule. They mandate you write off that old roof. So if you own the property for three years, you can't take a hundred percent, but you you take off you know you're in, and you can I can calculate what the remaining basis is of that roof that you threw mm -hmm. in the trash can, and that's a write off. And write offs are big. Yeah. So you can get an additional write-off for the remaining life of that roof because it didn't last as long as, right. as the IRS says it would on its schedule, right? Yeah. And if so, you don't write it off, you've got two roofs on your schedule. And, and are, now, are the IRS going to audit you for, for misusing that reg? No, but very few people understand that it's part of the regs. The IRS says mm -hmm. you must write off that old roof. 
Yeah. Well, I, I just, the reason I bring up these nuances is because I think a lot of people know what, what, what cost seg is kind of at a high level, but I don't think a lot of people know some of the nuances and some of the other ways that having an engineered study with that level of detail can, can add value. And so I showed you that report, 16 pages. Now you know what the value of that roof is. You don't need me. You can calculate. The only thing you're going to need to calculate is if you did the study in 2021, you throw away that roof in, in, in 25. Well, obviously, you, 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 know, you can't take those three years or, 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 or whatever, four years. You got to you know, reduce the write-off value. But anybody can figure that out. It's pretty simple by, by just doing a little simple math. You don't need me for that. But you do need me to come up with what the heck does, what was the value of that roof when I bought the building? And anything you throw away has write-off value. I don't care what it is. Unless it's, it's of course, five-year property that's over five-year. Well, mm -hmm. obviously there's nothing left. But if you have 27 and a half-year property like HVAC, roofs, you know, walls, windows, all of that, anything you rip apart and throw in the trash, all has write-off value. Gotcha. So I, I, I just thought of something I, I hadn't considered this before. Is there an opportunity if you were to, I mean, let's say you refinance a property, I mean, or you, you recapitalize a property in some way. I mean, is there an opportunity to, to go and, and do another, uh, another study or, or kind of a new, refresh the depreciation? Well, and, and this is where, where a good real estate accountant is invaluable. The issue, the problem is I don't know the answer, but I have had clients do that. Yeah. I've had, had clients that they've restructured the ownership and mm -hmm. they claim that they can take depreciation on the restructure. Yeah. I kind of don't think that will fly, but I would ask your accountant, you know, if you get now, as far as refinancing goes, no. And, and another no, thing that's okay. important is we only deal with the acquisition. That's depreciation. Depreciation has nothing to do with the fair market value of the building. You sure, bought the sure. building for 120 grand. That's your depreciation. If it's worth 550 now, you can't yeah. get depreciation on 550. It's just the basis of the building based on what you paid for it. Exactly. Yeah. And no, that if makes you do sense. a 1031 exchange, that is a little tricky. Um, you know, it, it is tricky, but the answer is it's not going to end the, the, the topic. It's just a little bit more thoughts got to go into it because when you do a 1031 exchange and you're bringing money in from the relinquished property, that amount of the building basis, which you're bringing in from, from, from the property you sold has to stay in that method. So if you use straight line for 27 and a half years, I can't look at that. I have to deduct that from your basis and only do the, the excess building basis for, for the new building you bought. So sometimes that can be a problem because I've, I've seen before where people, you know, sold the building for a million and they bought a building for a million. There's nothing left. I can't do anything. I can only deal with they, they sold the building for a million and they bought a new one for two million. Now I can deal with that extra million. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that makes complete sense, Joseph. And yeah, I, I appreciate you, uh, you explaining some of the finer nuances to us, maybe a little more detailed than you thought you were going to go, yeah, but um, you know, but we've got some sophisticated listeners and I want to make sure that they, that they understand the details. And I think the other thing that, that you brought new to the table is the, the idea of doing a, a cost seg on, on a single family rental on, on a much lower value property and being able to do a modeled study and, and still, be able to take advantage of, of a lot of the same savings. So yeah, and now we can't do a lot with the modeling. Meaning, we we talked about disposi the dispositions and abandonment. Mm -hmm. And you know, on that sixteen pages I showed you, 
we measure the countertops. So we know exactly what the countertops value is. But when we model, we're not measuring countertops. We're doing everything from, uh, from satellite or satellite software. Mm-hmm. And so bottom line is we're, no one's in there measuring the countertops. So you cannot use a modeling report to calculate dispositions because it's, it's just not there. We just do the modeling report to tell the IRS, okay, IRS, this building located in Indianapolis, 1,500 square feet, three bedroom, three bath, this is what you would expect in, in that zip code to find in five-year and 15-year property. So mm-hmm. it's just a high-level report. What you're getting is accelerated depreciation, but you're not getting what you get in the full details. That's a lot more work. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. No, that, that, that's helpful. I think there's still probably the majority of the value in that increased depreciation up front. So, so still a lot of value there. Well, and great, also Joseph. we can do, well, real quick, we can do yeah. um, cost seg on improvements. So in other words, I have a doctor. Doctors, well, I, I have another good one, um, a restaurant. Most restaurateurs don't own their buildings. They lease their buildings. But guess what they, the, the lease requires them to do? Build out the building, all the improvements, all the, the furniture fixtures, all of that stuff they have to pay for. So let's say the, 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 there's the building owner. He owns the million-dollar building. And the restaurateur spends $2 million on fixing the restaurant up. I can, there, I, I can um, uh, accelerate that $2 million dollars for the restaurateur who owns those improvements and for the guy who owns the building. I, I don't look at the restaurant improvements, but I look at the core of the building, everything that he owns versus everything the restaurateur owns. So mm-hmm. improvements are big too. So it doesn't mean you have to own the property. If you paid for the improvements, you're a doctor, you built out your doctor's office, you can also accelerate those too. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I did not realize that. So there you go. You're bringing the value today. I know, I'm sorry. It's a lot. <laughs> No, very good, Joseph. Uh, listen, I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you sharing cost seg with folks. I think the, the big takeaway for, for those that are, you know, if you're an active real estate investor, it's definitely something that you need to be seeking out. It's a tool that you need to have in your toolbox. And you should be taken advantage of. And if you're a passive investor, I think it's, it's a question, as Joseph said, you should be asking, you know, making sure that, that the person that's running your deal is, is using all the tools available to add value to your investment. So Hey, one segue on the passive investment, a lot of accountants don't realize this too, is that when I say there's limitations on pass, passive invest, you can group all of your passive investments together. It's not mm-hmm. like there's, oh, there's this one house or this. No, it's all of your passive investments. So if I generate $25,000 for you in, in losses and you can combine it with another business you own that's passive, you can do that. And a lot of accountants don't know that you, you can combine passive and use the passive losses against passive income. Can't use them against the, the active income, but you yeah. can uh, all the passive, so. You know, fantastic point and one of the beauties of real estate investing. So yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and I think Joseph, that's a great place to, to segue into our keys to success round. I got four questions I wanna ask you. Okay. The first one is, if you were that passive investor and you could only ask one question to the person running your deal, what would that one question be? Experience. What's their experience? Yeah. What's their experience? Who have you you worked with? Vet them. Vetting, vetting, vetting is important. You know, that's why when we publish a report, we put the CVs, we put our our resumes on there. So we want the IRS to look and see who's Joe Vyrie, who's who's the engineer on board, and what is their background. And so I would do the same thing for investors, you know, find out who you're working with and make sure that, you know, if it is their first deal, make sure that you know it's their first deal. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it, but you know, hopefully you probably would work with somebody who might you know have more experience. So, and a lot of people don't vet the person is what I see, and that's where they get hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I want to hit home that point because we we talk about it a lot on the show that it really starts with the person. You're really investing with the person at the, at the end of the day and a, a bad deal sponsor can ruin a good deal and a good deal sponsor can save a bad deal. Yep, agreed. Very good. What are you most proud of in your career? You know, I think I'm most proud of the fact that we were able to develop the modeling technique. It took years to develop it. Now we've been doing it for five years, but we started working on 10 years ago and, 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 and develop it and to get something that is compliant um, to IRS questions and audit. And uh, like I said, I can only name one or two others that do this and they don't do it the way we do it. The, the way we do it, which is really cool, is we do all the work. I just need some basic information. The others that I've seen out there is that the client has to do all the work. They just go online and start filling stuff out and, and inputting. And it's like, oh man, that takes hours, but we do all the work. So I'm, I'm proud of that. Very cool. What is a book that everybody should read? <laughs> oh man, I'm going to go way back into the dark ages, guys. I, my, my first book um, back when I was in college that really made an impression upon me. And I still think it makes an impression on all the the people out there. So if you're young and you haven't read the book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, to me will always stand out uh, as, as, you know, my, my, my book that, that had so many good lessons. Yeah. I mean, just I, that's timeless, man. I don't think, I don't <laughs> think you're uh, I think there's a lot of people today still discovering that book and, and still getting a ton of value out of it. So I appreciate you, appreciate you bringing that up. I mean, I, I try to read it every couple of years or so. Exactly. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. And last but not least, what is your number one key to success? You know what it is? I, I, people think I'm a salesman. And I don't think I came across it that way today, meaning that I just have a passion and a belief in what I do and love what I do. And, um, you know, to me, that is, um, you know, that, that's really important to um, communicate with my clients and to let them know that I'm not trying to sell them anything. I, I will tell you the truth. We are wickedly busy, so but we can handle more business, but I'm just saying we're busy. So, so I, I want to make sure the client understands is that not to be, I don't want this to be rude, but you know, I want them to do what's best for them. I don't want them to, to do something, you know, to, 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 to pay me to do it. No, no, no. It's like, I'm going to give you some very good information. If you decide to use it, God bless you. Great. And if you don't decide to use it, wonderful. If you need it in the future, fine. And, and that's what I, I, I try to impart on my people, that they're important to me and, and make the decision that works for you in your situation. And if I can help you in any way, doesn't mean I'm going to charge you. It means I'll, I'll help you. Uh, that's awesome. You're, uh, you're giving value first, right? That, that's <laughs> yes. the goal. Well, very cool, Joseph. Th thanks again for coming on. If people want to learn more about you, want to learn more about U.S. Tax Advisors Group, how can they get a hold of you? It's really simple. I suggest going to the website, U-S-T-A-G-I. That's that simple, U.S. Tax, uh, tax Advisors Group Incorporated, U-S-T-A-G-I. So www.ustagi.com. And, you know, my, my, you know, everything's there and that's the easy way. 
the best way. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we'll link it below and folks can go check out that resource. So once again, Joseph, thank you so much for coming on and I hope you have a great rest of the day. And you too. Thanks, Kent. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro. 